Hey folks, it's Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times on Twitch in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running a homebrew campaign called Eberron the Second Morning, set in Eberron. This show is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to be a patron of Sly Flourish, you too can join at patreon.com slash slyflourish. Patrons of Sly Flourish uh, help fund all of the equipment and bandwidth and other costs that are associated with putting out shows like this and keeping the website up to date and things like the Sly Flourish newsletter and stuff like that. Uh, if you are a patron, you have access to a, an adventure that is exclusively for backers of Sly, or patrons of Sly Flourish called uh, Regnum Rattus, The Rats in the Cellar. It is a one-to-five introductory adventure for D&D available on, uh, on, my, Patreon, on my Patreon site. Uh, you will also get a monthly newsletter in which I show all of the different things that, the, that, that we've done here for Sly Flourish over the month and any other interesting odds and ends. It's an exclusive newsletter that only patrons of Sly Flourish receive. Uh, so I had a show yesterday uh, that was very similar to this one for a one-shot game. That game went very well. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the whole... Uh, the whole thing, uh, uh, the whole thing worked out really well. Uh, RSR seventy says, "Good morning." The interview with Nerdarchy was very a few days ago. It was fun. Yes, so yeah, I was on the Nerdarchy show uh, talking to Dave uh, over there uh, on Thursday, Thursday, Thursday noon. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. It was good to just have a, a general conversation about D and D and things that are going on, and just sort of let the conversation wander, which is always fun. Uh, my mom is here. Hello, mom. And let's see, a bunch of other people are here. Um, so yeah, I have. I want to talk about. So I, I got to get prepped for the game. Uh, I also want to talk about a new idea that came out of the game yesterday. Uh, it was feedback that I got. My, my my wife Michelle mentioned something, and she's like, "It'd be really great if we could have a, some better way to sort of a simple visualization for combat." Just you know, so theater of the mind is fine, and that's all great. But sometimes it's hard to like how many monsters are even left, and instead of having to ask and instead of having to reiterate every time, what what are, what are some ways that we can do that that would be simple? And I thought, oh man, yeah, let me think about this. And so I started thinking about it and ideas started coming to my mind. And I was like, what about like a, a text-based battle map? Uh, you know, what would a text-based D&D battle map look like? And how could we do that, right? And if you're like, text-based battle map, what does that even mean? Like you need a grid and tokens and terrain and stuff. How can you have it completely text-based, you know? And then other people are probably thinking like little X's that are moving around. And I was like, no, what if we did it the way that like uh, Darkest Dungeon does combat where you essentially, it's one-dimensional. So you think about combat in D&D as being two-dimensional uh, on a grid, right? Most of the time. And you can say like, yeah, sometimes it's 3D, but generally not. Like every so often somebody's flying and every so often somebody's like up on a cliff. But generally speaking, you know, we're, we're handling combat in two dimensions. And uh, so what about one-dimensional combat? And, and Darkest Dungeon, if you are not familiar with it, is a uh, computer role-playing game. Uh, very gritty, very, uh, um, you know, harsh, but beautiful, like crazy dark, fun role-playing game. And uh, let's see if I can bring up. Uh, I, had a, I had a good view of this yesterday. Uh, Darkest Dungeon. Let's go to the Darkest Dungeon website. Let's go to their media. They have a media thing here somewhere. Let's go to media and uh, screenshots. So here, uh, that is an example of what combat looks like in Darkest Dungeon. You have your characters on the left. You have the monsters on the right. This feels very familiar to people who have played the old Final Fantasy games. Um, and the idea is like your your attacks and everything can hit certain members. So like if somebody in the back can cast spells uh, and maybe they, they can cast a weaker spell that can hit all the people or maybe they can only cast a spell that hits certain other people. People up front in melee can only hit people in, in melee and, and so on. But it's one-dimensional, right? There's no, there's, there's no uh, uh, XY version of the grid. It is, it is on a line. And it's like you could kind of do that in text. So uh, I think a little bit later, after I get into the sh- after we get into things, I'm going to talk about oh what the hell do we want to do it right now? Let's do it right now. Uh, we'll talk about how to do like one dimensional combat like this, uh, a representation of one dimensional combat in text. So let me jump over to the show notes uh, here, and uh, right at the end, I even have a little bookmark for it. So how would you do one dimensional uh, combat? So uh, there are, and and I'm, I'm also kind of calling this like a markdown map. Uh, is a a, a stickier title, the Markdown map, because we're going to use Markdown syntax. Uh, If you're not familiar with Markdown, Markdown is a way of formatting raw text so that certain programs 
or applications can render it in rich text, like with bolds and italicized and things like that. And interestingly, Discord supports Markdown. So if we, if we do our battle map here in Markdown and then paste it into Discord, it will render it uh, effectively. So um, we're going to start by grabbing the characters. Uh, Arwen, Shift, Saber. I can never remember. And we have, uh, who are the other? Uh, Banner, Zarentir, Shane. Right, so we already have like our list, and you could even have, and then so what we're gonna do, um, we're gonna put some markdown around them. So all we did is put underscores. We surrounded the characters with underscores. That way we know what's going on, and we can actually set a battle order. So like banners probably, you know, so um, it's gonna start from back to front, downward. Um, that doesn't make much sense, does it? Oh, you know what? So, yeah, we're going to go bottom up uh, because that way you can also, it just occurred to me, I'm just thinking out loud here, but it occurs to me that you can use your, um, sometimes Saber likes to be up front. Shift is probably in the back. Uh, Shane Husk is probably in the back. This is probably good. Um, I forget who's Arwen. I forgot who Arwen was. Oh, uh, the artificer, yeah. So Arwen being up, yeah. So this this is probably, so right off the bat, uh, we have a marching order, right? And we can use that marching order for things that don't involve combat, uh, but we've got it all set. And then when they enter an area, so we're gonna, uh, let's do, I think we'll set up one of the, the I think this is gonna be the strong start. So we can kind of jump into the game. And the strong start is, um, uh, so we have an Eastern doorway. Um, so we have three locations in this chamber that they are entering an eastern doorway and in front of the eastern doorway is an animated armor in fact there's two of them so we're going to we're going to put two there in the northern doorway are some knolls right uh and we'll probably have three knolls. Um, and then at the southern doorway are our characters. So right there, we already have our battle map, right? It's already set. We have an eastern doorway. We have a northern doorway, a northern hallway, and a southern doorway. All of the characters are in the southern doorway. So if Saber says, I want to go charge, and, and they're all hostile to everybody. So like the animated armors are standing there. Uh, the gnolls are sort of out of the shaft, probably firing arrows. I think, like, there's probably just a couple of gnolls because I think a couple of them died. And there's a bunch of dead gnolls in front of the animated armor. Um, so the gnolls, they might actually stealth their way in. So they might not even be visible uh, in the beginning. But let's say that Banner says, I'm going to go charge the armor. So we move Banner up to the armors, right? And Saber says, I'm also going to... Uh, charge up in the armors. We move them right up to the armor. So now that, you know, when, when you have a character who is, you know, up, above or below a, a creature, that means they are within five feet of each other. So right off the bat, we know that they're five feet of each other. This little space here, whenever you have a, a, a blank space between an area, that means it essentially takes a move action to get from one to the other. So if you're in the northern hallway, you know, uh, it would, it would take, and, and, this is a little complicated because they're actually in three. They are in two dimensions, and then you know I'm not sure the two dimensions work. But essentially, if you want to make a move action, and we could just say like it's a it's a move action to get from any one of these locations to any of the other locations. So, if, and and probably the the other three here are, are are the four are probably happy. But maybe while Saber and Banner are at the eastern doorway uh, in melee with the animated armors, uh, the Knolls calm down and attack the front line here. And now the knoll, no one's in the northern hallway. The knolls are, uh, knolls are attacking with spears. This, you have now groups. You have a group at the eastern doorway that's all packed together. You have a group at the southern doorway who's all packed together. Now, if we go back to where we were and the characters win initiative, Arwen might say, I want to go hit both of those knolls with an area attack. And they're all grouped together, so you're going to be able to hit them with an area attack. So then what we can do is we can just grab this. And actually, I'm going to uh, go here and go into my, go into Discord. 
and I'm going to show you how it ends up looking inside Discord. So we're going to go, where's my Saturday, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday. We'll go to my Sunday group, and we're going to go into the DM channel. Uh, the DM channel is my own channel that I only have access to, and it's a way for me to look up monsters. But if I paste the whole thing, that is what it looks like in Discord, right? And so we have bolded location names. We have uh, italicized character names. We have um, creatures that are non-italicized. And we have locations that, you know, so everybody can generally see, ah, who's grouped up, who's adjacent to somebody, what areas are in the room, all that stuff. Now, as a DM, we can also use this. So, like, Saber starts beating up the animated armor. He, uh, he hits twice, and he does a total of 12 points of damage. We just put 12 next to here. Banner hits the animated armor. Uh, he hits it, you know, uh, twice for 16 points of damage, right? Uh, one of the nulls, both of the nulls are hit with a uh, blasting fire attack. They both take four, four damage. We can just track the damage in here. Now, we are, and then, you know, we, I'm going to delete this. Um. And we, you know, we paste it in again. And now the characters can see how much damage they've done to any given monster. Uh, if the uh, characters, and we also can go into one of my other favorite things, which is why don't you describe, as soon as you do damage to a creature, the player who does it describes an interesting characteristic. And they might say, you know, Iron Mohawk. My character, they always love Mohawks. So now, and then maybe the other one is uh, made of brass. Eh, brass animated armor. Uh, the gnolls that took damage, uh, one of them has one eye, and one of them has purple fur. Right? And now it still is all pasteable right into the chat. Um, again, you probably want to delete the old one. Uh, because, um, and so now, like everybody kind of, you know, you're adding narrative elements into the little thing here so that people can see who's where, who's grouped up, uh, and which, which monster. And they can, instead of referring to, like, null number four or the null that took six damage, they can say, I want to hit the Iron Mohawk animated armor, right? And then you have some visualiz- visualizations, you know, some visual, you know, kind of in-world in, in descriptions for the things that they're seeing in-game. But you can still move everybody about. So if Zarentir says, or uh, Shane says, I want to go up and hit one of those nulls, you move him up. You say, which one are you going to hit? And he says, I'm going to hit purple fur. And you put him right in front of purple fur. And then you've got, you know, you, you move it around. And it's super easy. I mean, you can see that, like, copying and pasting stuff into Discord, super fast, super easy. You have this sort of one-dimensional uh, um, representation. So I have not tried this yet. Uh, the idea came from my conversation with my wife. And uh, I threw this up on my bigger Discord channel. Um, and we talked about it there, by the way, in case you want to join, uh, let me, uh, get a, oh, where is it? Server settings, invite people. I want to invite people and we're going to edit the invite link and it never expires and it has no limit on uses generate. So here is, uh, the Sly Flourish. Slideflourish Discord channel. Please feel free to join. And I will stick this in the show notes as well. Um, yeah, uh, I love having a Discord channel. It's a great place to like sit and talk. We have a lot of cool people there. Uh, who um, We talk about D&D. So come, in, come into the Discord channel, chat about D&D. Don't be a jerk. Be, be good. Be good people. And um, anyway, so I threw this idea up in the Discord channel and a few people bid on it. And, you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm probably more interested in this than most people are. Uh, so we'll see. But I think it's a neat idea. And I think it's a cool way to give a visual representation of what's going on in combat in text that you can paste into any chat program. Um, I'm picking Discord because I, I really like using Discord. And I think it'll work well. So that is one-dimensional text-based combat. Or we can call it Markdown Maps because that sounds better, I think. I'm not much of a marketing guy. I don't know what to talk about. So in our last session's game, uh, the characters... So I started off with a big knoll attack. And uh, the knolls were, you know, running around, doing all kinds of crazies. And it would have worked, the, you know, going back to <laughs> the one-dimensional markdown maps. Um, 
going back to this, it would have worked really well because I could label every room and say who's in what rooms because we had knolls everywhere. So you have multiple floors, you have multiple rooms and using this one dimensional map could tell everybody where everybody was. You would actually see a physical representation of the map. So you'd know, ah, okay, that's where we are in two dimensional space or actually three dimensional because it's multiple levels. Um, but you could also say like, okay, which knolls are in which spots. So they fought a bunch of knolls. They fought a manticore. I don't know if they fought the manticore. I think they kind of dealt with it. But about halfway through... Uh, I, I clued them into the fact that, like, you know, if you do want to go down into that hidden vault, now is the best time. It, everyone's distracted. They also saw that Leto Skull. Leto Skull is sort of a um, – he's a, a gold ring member of the Orem, and he is the one that they have been they, – they delivered their book to. And uh, Leto – uh, they saw he started like Kona colding gnolls and just blowing them up. And, and they're like, oh, my God. And they also noticed that the gnolls seemed to recognize him. And we're like, oh, man, we're sorry. So, you know, there's a lot of like, huh, who's this Lido Skull guy? So they went down into the vault. Uh, let me see. I'm sure I've got a nice vault map. Where's the – this is the one. Uh, let's paste this into here. Um, so this was the vault that they uh, went into. This is a Dyson map. Uh, I've talked all about Dyson maps, Dyson logos. Go, go, go look for Dyson logos and use maps, 900 maps, 870 maps or something on his website. Um, so we use this. They come down the central hall, which is great because right off the bat, they see lots of things going on. They saw that there's a big battle going up in this upper room to the north. And that is where the gnolls were fighting animated armors and losing. They saw that there is, in fact, a tunnel that leads off from the north and, and looks, out over the, um, uh, looks out over the city. Uh, they see that there's, uh, I think there's one damage. Did they beat it up? They might have beaten up the second animated armor. I don't remember. I might have to, I'm going to have to wing some of this, I think. Uh, but I think they wanted to head into this room. Uh, this area on the far right was an altar, and there was a, uh, what was sitting on the altar? I think it was a rod. And I don't know if they fetched the rod or not. I don't think they did, but there is a rod, and it is a rod of the pack keeper sitting over there. Um, so uh, they did fight another animated armor, and then they got attacked by – the problem is I ran this battle for two different groups, and I can't remember what happened with either one. So, um, yeah, I think they, 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 they made some noise, and they got attacked by the uh, hellhound, and they beat the hellhound. Uh, and now they are in this upper chamber. They still have not explored these Western chambers, and I don't think they grabbed the rod yet, and they know that there's a couple more animated armors in the, in the uh, hallway here, and, uh, they're, and they're worried about activating those. So my hope is that they're going to continue to explore. I'm probably going to push them a little bit, be like, you haven't quite met everything, and they're going to feel that there's energy sources here and um, you know stuff going on here. But I, I think... Uh, I can't remember if they beat the other damaged animated armor up here or not. Ooh, that coffee's hot. Wow. Um, so I can't remember. My camera's a little high in it. Um, I can't remember if they, uh, defeated the animated armor or not. Is that better? My head's not off the screen. So um, I can't remember if they beat the animated armor or not. So I, I, I think we're going to start there. And if they remind me, oh, we already beat that, then I'm going to have Knowles come flying in on skateboards, um, big flying skateboards like uh, Marty in Back to the Future. And uh, let's get a strong start. Well, let's start with our characters. Let's do a quick review of the characters. Uh, so the characters we have today are Arwen Z, known as Chi, who is a scribing gnome artificer. Uh, her father was a... Um, Famous hero. She has a dodecahedron from her father. That's a Zendrek artifact of some sort. And when you are smart enough to open it, you will. And that's definitely going to have a, uh, a hook into probably into finding the, the, um, finding the laboratory of, the, um, uh, of, of House Kenneth, who may have built the first weapon. We have Shift, a Warforged warlock, one of the first warlocks who was actually a human uh, converted into a warlock thing. Uh, we have Saber. Uh, Saber is a long-tooth shifter monk who's, very, monk who's very interested in the Temple of Balinor. Um, and I, I think I'm, that is going to be one of the options uh, for where they go next. Uh, I have Shane Husk, uh, hobgoblin novelist, who wrote novels about the, last, about the first morning and about uh, the war. And some people think he's really great and some people think he sucks. He's, he's like a popular schlocky writer. Um, we have Banner. 
uh, a Warforged Paladin who is seeking the Becoming God. I really need to do more research on the Becoming God. I think that's an important hook that I really should be tugging on stronger. Um, and we have Zarentir uh, Delander, who is a um, Dragonmark Storm uh, Storm Sorcerer Tempest Cleric. All about the storms, even though we just did a whole campaign about storms. Uh, who accidentally wrecked an airship. So those are the six characters. So the strong start is uh, the damaged uh, animated armor. I can't remember if they beat it or not. Uh, more gnolls. So I think that they started, they're standing out over a, oh, this is perfect because this will give them an opportunity to um, fly away, but I think they're not going to have enough. So there's a manticore uh, flying around and gnolls are continuing to flood in from the northern chamber. So I think we're going to have gnolls. Um, More gnolls attack. Gnolls, and they're trying to break into the vault to they, they, the gnolls the have two goals one is uh they're trying to take the treasure chest out of the vault to the far west um and then two is they're going to try to break into the northern vault to try to steal the shard but they're probably not going to be very successful at that um so their main goal is to get the um get the chest out uh and we have a flying manticore and probably four gnolls. That's probably pretty good. Uh, and they're all kind of coming in from the north and the character's going to have to deal with them. Um, so we have gnoll attack as our strong start. We have uh, explore the vault. Uh, we have escape the vault. Um... Uh, we have, um, what else? Return to, uh, to their lair, and their lair is Cafe Obscura. Um, we have potential options for downtimes. Uh, and then we have, um, you know, options, and, and here's the, here are the other potential options that um, there is a hidden agent of the Dask and the Cogs who wants to meet with them. There is, uh, they, they're going to learn about the fact that the other tome, the, the sister to the Tome of Making, known as the Tome of Kulsir, is in Tower 6 of Morgrave University. Uh, and, or they can go to the Fallen Temple of Balinor and recover the Insignia of Claws, a, a, an artifact that was kept by the Temple of Balinor. Um, that will be sort of a side quest as for a particular character. So we'll see if the players are interested in that. And they can veto it. But those, those, the problem is the player is a strong-minded player. So he might be like, we all should go down there. So we'll find out how that works out. Um, so those are the scenes. Uh, I think it's probably important to, uh, you know, what are some um, downtime, potential downtime scenes? Um couple of them, well, at least one of them, are all about the magic items. Uh, and, you know, but you ain't going to be able to afford them. You know, magic items are expensive. Um, so meet with criminal contacts. Hunt the Emerald Claw is an option. Um, uh, 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 investigate... Investigate Morgrave University. Uh, investigate the Dask. Um, what other downtime activities uh, could they uh, uh, could they engage in? Um, you know, so uh, Shift could meet their maker. Uh, for upgrades and whatnot. Um, uh, what else? What other what other kind of fun scenes could we? What other kinds of downtime scenes beyond the normal? 
what are the, what are some of the scenes that'll help move them in the right direction? Uh, who are the other players? So are there any other, who do we have as um, fronts, right? And um, could they investigate those fronts? So they could investigate uh, Lido Skull. You know, that's another one. Oh, and the other one. So another option about where they go is they heard about um, the ship. And I don't, did I put it down here? Uh, that down in the in the docks is the um, the ship. Uh, we'll call it the Northern Wind. The ship that brought back uh, the the Dragon Shard. Uh, so that can be another another thing, and they could learn more about that with potential downside it seems. So there's some options there. I don't know if those are great. Um, you know, we'll see what's going on in chat. I haven't been looking at chat. Darkest Dungeon is great. Go buy it. Yeah, Darkest Dungeon is awesome. I'm sure we're a little easier sometimes. Uh, always understanding about players. They, I guess they have an easier mode for Darkest Dungeon that I should really play through where you kind of level faster. I've never gotten to the end of the game. Um, Discord is really nice. Yes, it is. Not a bad little magic item. No, it's not. Uh, hey, I just bought Fantastic Locations. Great. I hope you enjoyed Fantastic Locations. Uh, maybe one of the Explorer's Cubes if they're interested in uh, seeking riches outside. Potential recruitment by House Kenneth. Um... Mickey Avelli has a quick question regarding strong starts. Yes, ask away. I'm always happy to talk about that stuff. You ask your question. I'm going to work on secrets. So we need 10 secrets and clues for today's game. Um, so there are multi- – and I, I'm stealing some from last week. Uh, there are multiple uh, – Uh, let's go over to Eberron and let's look at criminal organism adventures in Sharn Dask. Who's leading the Dask? Um, they operate out of Kyber's Gate. Uh, Dask operations, Dask NPCs, Sora Ketra. Um, oh, except Sora Ketra is one of the, uh, so Cavella. Um, uh, um, how about, uh, Lido Scal and Cavella are siblings. That'd be kind of interesting. Um, the sisters of Drawham desperately uh, want the, the power to create a second morning. Uh, the Emerald Claw is operating their leader is a knight bone knight known as lord crash um uh so there's some good secrets what are some other secrets that will come out uh those are the kind of the, the other major fronts. Um, Seekers of the power of the morning need three things. Uh, instructions. Um, a laboratory. And a power source. Uh, and those are the books. Those are the books. The Tomes of Making. Uh, the Laboratory. The Kenneth Laboratory in the middle of the Mornland. And a power source. A large dragon shard. 
That's a big secret. All right, we got three more. Uh, question on the right. What's the what's best to do if they do something like beat a villain at the end of the previous session or clear out a camp? At the start of the session, they may want to question the villain or loot them or whatever. I just often find it difficult to throw them straight into action in a way in the way my sessions end. Uh, as there's sometimes some housekeeping, etc. They tend not to finish a session in a position where they might be jumped or in danger next time. Is it better to hand wave the housekeeping? Or start weaker. Yeah, I mean, if they're into it, they're into it. And if you know where it's going to start, I think it's okay. Um, but, you know, I wonder, like, how safe do they have to be where the remaining minions of the villain can't try a counterattack? And it could suck. Like, the counterattack can suck. It doesn't have to be a, a good, clear challenge. It can be that a bunch of his minions attempt to grab him back. You know, is there? does he have a mage who teleports in with a bunch of people to try to rescue the villain. And you don't think it's going to succeed, but it can certainly shake things up. So, um, you know, that's an option. But remember that, like, they're, they are somewhere, right? When, they're, when, they're, when they begin the session, even if that they're going back and they're working on housekeeping to kind of interrogate a villain or whatever, um, they're still somewhere and something can happen there. And it doesn't have to be something even directly connected to the characters. It can be just an event that's occurring in the area. It could be that suddenly there's a war or an airship crashes or... You know, any number of different of different potential strong strong starts that just kind of shake up the situation in the area. Now, the the key is like if you've got time constraints and you want to move on, like a, a good strong start takes like half an hour to an hour to play out, depending on how big it is. So, so, you know, if you don't you don't need it, you don't need it. It's not a this none of these none of these rules none of the rules they're not even rules. None of the steps uh, are required, and if they don't make sense, throw them away. Right. If you've if you if you've got an idea where things are going to go, that's great. Um, you know that that you can always you can always uh, uh, you know you run your game however however works for you and take take the steps that work for you and and throw away the ones that don't. There are many times where I go through these and people have, people have seen it on the show where I um, I just look I go yeah I don't need to do locations I'm good right and I just skip it or I don't need to do it. they're good on magic items I'm gonna skip that. Rare it's I rarely start I rarely throw away the strong start because I do want people to kind of start off with a bang and get dice rolling. Um, I had it where they captured a villain and the villain turned out to be something way worse and he converted into something else. So he transformed into some horrible monster. Sometimes that went, you know, poorly. So I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, I hope that that answers your question. You know, the question is like, sit for a minute and think about like, well, what could happen, you know, and what could happen that's involved in the situation or what could happen that's in the area. And, um, you know, those, those could be a couple, those could be a couple ways to do it. But yeah, strong starts can be many different things. It just means that something happens, right? Something happens and, and you want to start with something happening. And it's the one time when you as the DM have almost any control over the game because you can drop in that thing that happens, right? And, um, but it doesn't have to be combat. It doesn't have to be, uh, something that directly involves the characters. It can be an event that's occurring in the, it can be a party, right? It can't be that there's a great big, you know, a race going on outside or animals got free or something. Just, it could be, it could be a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, don't, don't hang on too tight. And again, if it doesn't make sense and you're like struggling, like, I don't know what to do, but if you know where the game is going to start already, and if, if the players know where the game is going to start, then you probably don't have a problem, right? It's what you don't want to have happen is that like everybody sits at the table and they're like, I don't know, what are we doing? What, you know, you want to like bang, you know, like Knowles. So, um, yeah, that's the, there's my thought about strong starts. So uh, I need three more secrets. Uh, oh, how about uh, Tower Six? Tower Six houses many dangerous works. Uh, very few are allowed in it. Uh, it's protected by the ancestors of the university. Cats, man. Cats scratching at the door. Um, I can't open the door because my wife's right upstairs and she'll hear everything about the game. Uh, oh, coffee's really good. So, uh, Tower 6 or Morgrave University has as many dangerous works. Very few are allowed in it. It's protected by ancestors of the university. Uh, are there any other, um, the Emerald Claw thinks, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, they have a way 
to find the location of the uh, Kenneth. I need to come up with a better, cooler name for the Kenneth Laboratory. This is the place in the Mornland where they were potentially the first, um, uh, where the first weapon of the morning was there. Uh, he's not your problem. Says it's rumored that a novice artificer who learned too much ended up dying under mysterious circumstances. Yeah, and down in Tower Six. Yeah, Tower Six. Could, all kinds of things could happen. Yeah, there's actually uh, Eberron um, has if you you know like talking about like strong starts and stuff. Uh, I think is it in. One of these in Sharn. I think it's Adventures in Sharn. And, um, yeah, so there's, like, street events, right? And these are great. Like, what, what event occurs, you know? And and all kinds of things could, could take place. And these, you know, upper events, lower events, all kinds of things. Skyway events, um, you know, all sorts of things that can happen here. So real, real you know, these, these events are exactly the kinds of things that you can use for a strong start. All right, one more secret. Oh, what else can the characters learn? Um, uh, the massive dragon shard has something embedded within it. It drove those who sailed it back to Sharn into madness into madness and cannibalism cannibalism is creepy uh yeah so we've got a bunch of things there that's, that's fine that'll that'll serve uh locations so um we have a few different locations cafe obscura we now have a map for that here's the here's the map of what their play, their place looks like. One thing I don't do, and so, I don't know. I'll take it back. I was going to say, like, I don't attack the home base, but there's no reason you can't attack the home base. Just don't do it all the time. Um, you know, it's their fortress of solitude. And and generally speaking, that you should, you know, give them the, give them the right away. Like, don't... Yeah, I was, I was talking about, like, um, adventure models from movies, and I was writing about it yesterday, and um, I was talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I was like, Raiders of the Lost Ark has a great adventure seed that you can use, uh, like, a, as a model for your, for your game, which is uh, you're trying to acquire something, you know, ancient that's been buried out there for a long time, and you're not the only one. And if you think about it, um, my whole campaign is built around this continual, like, go, go fetch things and other people want them. So is Indiana Jones, right? Because, like, right in the beginning, he's trying to get the idol. You know, and he's going through this whole trapped place to get this idol. And then he gets out there and there's his rival with a bunch of dudes that are like, we're taking that thing from you. You know, and he gets away and he might have gotten away with the idol. So here's the trick, right? The movie had him lose the idol. And the movie also has him lose the arc, right? The t- freaking Belloc takes his crap every time, right? Now, we might be tempted a a a... You know, we might be tempted to say, how am, how am I going to work the story so that that happens? How am I going to work the story so that Belloc gets the Ark or that the Emerald Claw manages to steal the crystal or whatever? And the answer is you, you don't plan on that happening. You can certainly have the villains try and maybe they succeed, but you want your players are smart. So you don't want you don't want to thwart your players preventing a, 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 a situation where they where the villains are trying to steal something. Right. If if let's say the um, let's let's have a hypothetical situation uh, that's a very Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's very much like uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, the characters have to go to Morgrave University. They find out that there's like ancient uh, cells beneath the or they go to Tower Six. They find out that in Tower Six, there's these lower chambers where the forbidden libraries are. And actually only like two people ever go down there and they just go and they put books and they go away and they don't like it. And, and people have to cycle through because they go crazy down there. And um, the characters go down there and it's like haunted by like librarian specters and they fight the librarian specters or they deal with them or whatever. And they manage to get the Tome of Kulsir, which is this like really powerful book that has all these like ancient um, spells and rituals of the giants of Zendrek from 30,000 years ago. So they grab the book and they leave and Emerald Claw is showing up and a bunch of Emerald Claw mercenaries are attacking and they're brutish. So they just sort of attack. And the Emerald Claw is like, we want to get that book. So we might be tempted to, like, make sure that the Emerald Claw somehow gets the book. But better is they try for the book, and the players are smart about, like, I'm running with it, or I'm putting it in a bag of holding, and I'm swallowing it, or whatever. <laughs> um, 
So, you know, somehow they, they make sure that the book does not get stolen. You don't, you don't want to force it, right? I mean, don't, the storyline isn't that the, that, the, that the Emerald Claw has to get the book for the story to go forward. The story will, the Emerald Claw tries something else. Maybe they don't need that book. Or maybe they're like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to go get a skull piece from one of the Zendrek people. And we're going to raise that guy. And he's going to tell us the spells. You know, or, you know, we're not going to actually be able to use the ritual. But we're going to just blow up the crystal in Sharn anyway. Um, as like a giant dirty bomb. So the, the drive of the enemies we control. What they try to do we control. What we don't want to try to control is what happens, right? What happens is what happens at the table. So Raiders of the Lost Ark makes for a great campaign arc, but it's dangerous to think that the villains are going to get a hold of the arc halfway through or that they're going to get a hold of the, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the Grail Diary. You know, it's better, if you, it's better when you think about the idol or the, the, the medallion, right? That like Indy is going for the medallion with Marion and uh, Tote comes in to get the medallion. And then there's a big fight and Tote almost gets the medallion. He grabs it and he has it, but it burns his hand and he drops it and he flees and he doesn't get it. And Indy and Marion, they do get it. You know, she wraps it up in a handkerchief, which you think Tote would have done. And, um, uh, he uh, and he runs off, and so they they have the medallion, right? And then their whole thing is like, we know where the ark is, and no one else does, right? And they're like, well, they're digging somewhere, and it's like, how can they dig somewhere? And it turns out that um, Tote, you know, had another way, right? His hand was burned, and he got the he had the map on his hand, and that is an interesting, you know, that that's sort of an organic way that the story went. That he's got part of it, but he doesn't have the whole map, right? Because he only had one side, um, so. That that is where you can see that, like in another version of that movie, Tote would have grabbed the medallion and gotten away with it, right? And then the characters have to like go chase Tote to get the medallion back, and you know, or they have they have to find another way. Like maybe there's you know, a Marion says that wasn't the only medallion. There were actually a couple of them, you know, and we got to go get the other one, but it's in my dad's vault in Italy or whatever, you know. So shifting the story around, and you know, but the but the interesting bit is watching how. Um, you know, watching how the story evolves at the table, and that means not forcing him things. So that was really long. Sorry, a big long diatribe. The point is, we drive the the villains and the NPCs. We don't drive the future of the story. Now we can make things up, though. We can make up a second medallion. We can say, like, if the Emerald Claw doesn't get a hold of the Book of Colsir, what are their other options? And we can make options up that didn't exist. Like, what if they try to get a skull piece? you know, from uh, one of the arcane giants and they resurrect him and, and try to draw the arcane knowledge out of that directly out of the head of the giants who, uh, who had it, right? Well, you know, that option never existed till we thought of it, but, you know, it can exist anyway. So, yeah, so there we are. Um, yeah, Snark Knight says, like, somewhere there's a mold where the amulet was made. Yeah, because maybe, may right? It didn't look like it was carved. Um, so, yeah. Right, so we you, you come up with another reason. The players drive the story, the GM drives the villains. Yeah, boy, that's like a whatever, you know, nine-word version of what just took me a half hour to talk about. Thank you. So, fantastic locations. We have the Cafe Obscura. We have some interesting things in the Cafe Obscura that we can go on. We have the Twisted Docks, right? Um, and it, really, this is the ghost ship. Um, and this is... Uh, we have the North Wind. Uh, right, and the north wind is. I don't know why I'm doing markdown text. So into markdown. Um, this is the abandoned dock that's down in the docks area, and there's a ship that's been there now for about three or four months since it came back from Zendrak. And if they explore it, it's filled with, you know, weird ghosts and probably ghouls and um, other kinds of nasty things. And they will they can kind of learn more about what happened on the ship. Um, we don't need to worry about Sinead's food and drink. We don't need to worry about that. Those are all gone. Temple of Balinor and Fallen. That one we had. I thought we had a... Yeah, so I have the Ruined Temple of Balinor, right? Uh, so that's one. We have Lido Skull's Manor. That's probably... We're going to probably end that today, right? There are the three maps for that. Morgrave University uh, and the Restricted section. Let's take a quick look at these maps here uh, and see what they look like. Um... Why does this one keep showing up, man? I've used this one. Is that right? I already used this. I just used this map. It's a great map. I'm not using it again. 
I guess I was not necessarily going to use that for the element. So let's take a look at this one. Is this one really big and crazy? Yeah. All right. I thought I had a different, I thought I had better maps. Uh, I'm going to have to go dig for a map and I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going to do it after the show, but I need better, better maps for Morgrave University. Um, the ruined temple of Balinor. Uh, yeah, this is a good one. And I like this one a lot. So I think we, you know, I can come up with a pretty quick, uh, uh, adventure for them to explore this, this place. Um, then we have some other cool, like Sharn. These are like, these are Sharn locations. Um, so I got a good map. Uh, why don't we take a, uh, I'm going to delete this one. I thought for sure I had better, more grave. You know what? Let me do a quick, uh, I'm going to just look, cause I think maybe in my Wednesday game, I had some, so let's go my Wednesday notes. Uh, here we go. So better, more grave. Oh, you know, I, I'm sh- sure. Yeah, this looks good. So let me grab these and drop in my Sunday game. Um, and great library. So yeah, here's, and there's, I think there's multiple floors here. So we have these, this is tower six, right? Wow. There's a lot of, oh, these are the ungraded versions. Uh, so we have, uh, tower six, which looks like this, but then there's underneath and it looks like, uh, Dyson once again, has this covered back in 2006. Yeah. Uh, has the lower, the lower, oh, perfect. Right. The lower vaults. So yeah, we now have a nice, big, meaty place. Perfect. Um, nice, big, meaty place um, for, uh, um, oh, does uh, Sharn City of Towers has a Morgrave map? Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm probably good with what I got. You know, it, it'll serve. Um so NPCs, I could probably clean some of this up because I don't think uh, I was going to bring these guys in, the ambassador to Breland and stuff like that. We're going to get rid of them. Um, uh, Paula Dramera, I kind of like. Gabriel North Willow, I kind of like him. Let me come back in. We have Doris. We have Lido. Um, we have Lyra Willow Song, uh, Alpha the Orum. Uh, Elf Wizard Orum Concordian Neutral. Uh, I I'm gonna get rid of that one. Uh, Lord Crash is good. Um, Laura Vegok is the new social media manager for um, uh, for Cafe Obscura. Uh, and Eric Mac 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 the Knifeborn uh, is a barista at Cafe Obscura. Um, he took on that job after all of his friends were killed by the characters. Who was he? Was he Emerald Claw? I don't think so. No, he was um they were like low level street guys that attacked and and the, the party killed a few and interrogated a few and hired a few. Um and Murdo Gem either took off, so we're gonna get rid of her. I don't remember who Angel Bright is. I don't remember who Red Iron and Needles. I remember who Sol is. Um Oh, Needles is the Lord of Blades, yeah. Uh Iron Nails. Iron Nails are the low rent hoods. So I got a few different things in here. Uh, monsters, I don't know what we got. So I know we're going to have some, we have Balinor Temple and we have the remainder of, uh, the vault, um, Lido Skull's vault. That has animated armor. Oh, I've got a great NPC. Um, and it's the one, so, uh, as I mentioned, here's a little fun secret. I think I might've maybe I've mentioned this, not a great secret, but, um, so in the vault is a treasure chest. If we go back, uh, let's go to Lido Skull's vault. Um, God, I love Dyson maps so much. Uh, so we go to Lido Skull's vault. On that far left side, that center room, where it has a portcullis and a chain, there is a chest sitting in there, and the chest is wrapped up in chains. And the gnolls have been asked to go and grab the chest. And the reason why is that the chest is actually a mimic, and the mimic is a spy for the Dask. Uh, it's a spy specifically for um, Lido Skull's uh, uh, sister uh, and the, who's going to be an NPC, and I should probably put her in the NPCs, uh, which is Cavella. Uh, 
And uh, so I need a fun. So the mimic is a spy of the Dask that they tried to plant in Leto Skull's vault, and he figured it out, and he just chained the mimic up, and now it's burned. The 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 um, hellhound had been burning it, and uh, for funsies, and um, now the gnolls are trying to get it out, but uh, the characters might be able to get it instead. So they would have a mimic ally. Uh, so I need a fun name for a mimic. Um, what would you name? What would a mimic's name? Uh, what would be a fun mimic name? Uh, oh, I don't know if any of these are going to work. Uh, Simim, Simim the mimic. <laughs> it's not bad. Simon. Simon, Simon the mimic. Uh, lock and key. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, Ironbound, Ironbinder. Uh. I don't know. We're going to go with Simon. Simon the Mimic. Toothy. Clack. <laughs> um, So uh, the mimic will be a source of uh, secrets and clues and other information that they could that they could get inside the vault, and I think that will be a fun. Uh, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that encounter. I love the idea of a mimic NPC. Um, I think that will be, I think that will be a good time. Uh, what other so locations? Oh, I was doing monsters. Am I good on locations? Do I have everything? Like all the places that they could go? I've Lido Skulls University. Um, oh, the other one is going down into um, the cogs, and I'm going to have to – cogs is going to be um, – now, there's a great map of the cogs in um, uh, in here. If we go to Adventures in Sharn, is it? Is that where – looking for maps. They got a lot of great maps in this book. This, you know, I really love this book. I love D and D. Period. But I love this book too. I'm just happy to have all this stuff. There's so many great resources. Uh, yes. So here is the hub, right? And um, uh, copy that link address. And so I've got a copy of the hub. Let's take a look. Big, right? So, you know, they probably can come in from different places. Um, and there's a lot of, like, monstrous dangers. So, and I think they're, they'll probably meet, like, somewhere down in here. So maybe they have to sort of make their way. Um, it's a great map, but it's kind of big. Um, you know, what I find really interesting is, like, here's a map that's in uh, the Eberron book, right? This map is, is, is right in this book. This is the Eberron source book, and uh, it has, um, you know, it's got these maps in it, right? That's a beautiful map. And the guy who did these maps is none other than Dyson, right? And Dyson uh, also gives away his maps for free. So you are, you have like 850 maps that are the equivalent of the maps that Wizards of the Coast is putting in their books, and we have it all access. Like, I don't know. It's so great. You know, I think I think Dyson Logos maps are are very close to uh, my favorite my favorite resource on uh, for D and D. Discord being great too. Uh, I'll tell you, it's also the another not to just constantly run off on different topics, but. It's been really interesting playing D&D online for a while now and, and doing the prep for it. And it's pretty easy. And it's things like being able to just grab these maps and use them directly is really nice. And uh, I don't – yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's fascinating. Like this whole – I realize that like I spend a tremendous amount of time thinking about D&D, which I don't think surprises anybody. 
and to to suddenly start playing D and D online all the time, like three games a week. Uh, you know, I'm learning all kinds of new stuff, and it's great to learn new things about this game at at this volume, like the one dimensional combat tracker, and like how to copy and paste maps, and how to use Discord, and all the all the sort of odds and ends of like still trying to you know Avre, right? You know, maximizing the value of Avre, and um, it's it's a lot of fun to kind of learn these things and see how they can enhance the game and see how they can enhance our connection with our, with our players as we play. Um, you know, it's a really, it's really a fascinating time and it's fascinating for me. Like it's a dark time. I'm really not happy that we are where we are right now, obviously. But, um, you know, one nice thing about it is that, uh, I'm learning a lot more about this game than I knew otherwise, because I've been playing basically the same way for a decade. And uh, now I'm playing an entirely different way and I'm learning a lot. And as I learn a lot, I get a lot of more experience and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm having a great time. Um, even though like, look, the fact that I'm having a great time or not does not change the state of the rest of the world. And I'm really sad about the rest of the state of the world. So here we are. Um, so uh, what else do we got? So I think we've got some good locations. I'm going to have to hand – like the cogs, I'm going to be running some random encounters. I'll probably grab random encounters out of some other things, um, you know, some other books. And I'm going to – you know, if they head down that way, we're going to have to – you know, I'm going to have to make it up as we go. So, uh, so we will see. Uh, do I have the monsters for um, – these are NPCs. Where are my monsters? There's the monsters. Um, so Lido Skull's Vault. We have animated armor. Uh, Knolls. Uh, for Balinor Temple, we have Null Witherlings, Psychic Graves. Ooh, that sounds like fun. And Minotaur Skeletons. Uh, for um, Tower 6, uh, we have Whites. We have Spectres. Shadows. People love Shadows, man. Shadows and Spectres are everyone's favorite monster. Um, that's probably pretty good, right? Is there anything else? Oh, a gazer, right? Yeah, time for a beholder. Let's take a look at gazers. Um, is there a more powerful? Is that CR one half? I need a more powerful um, uh, Gauth. Uh, I think Gauths are CR6, right? Oh, boy. Um, eats magic. Spectator. It's all these different... Um, yeah, I think a spectator is probably better. Um, they are magical guardians, right? Yeah, so this is spectator. I think we're going to have a couple of them. Two spectators, yeah. Yeah! I'm excited about spectators. Tower 6. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Paralyzing. Oh, look at them. Um, two out of the following magical eye rays at one or two. Uh, oh, and it's not random. It chooses up to two of the following. So it can pick. Nice. Uh, if the spell uh, makes a sexual saving throw against a spell, it misses. So I guess it's central eye is sort of a spell reflector. These are cool. I like these guys. Um... I wonder if you could change the anti-magic eye of a regular beholder into a spell reflector beholder. Give it like magic resistance and have it um, reflect spells. Might be a better version of the anti-magic cone, which can be so much trouble. Like maybe you can shift it somehow and turn it off. I like it because I think they like spell reflection is better than um, anti-magic. I mean, anti-magic blocks magic, but the problem is it also blocks its eye rays. Spell reflection doesn't block its eye rays. Uh, this is a problem I have with beholders. So, uh, so we have tower six. Um, and I think for the cogs, 
Uh, we're going to have like a random assortment of nasty monsters. Um, you know, I could probably do better than that, but we'll see. Uh, that's pretty good. It's probably time I started ask, asking the players, um, what kind of magic items do they want? You know? So, um, yeah. Oh, and then these are my other little things. Uh, all right, so uh, we are closing in, and it's been an hour, and I think we're all set. So I'm going to try. I'm curious, Twitch chat, uh, what do you guys think? So in the beginning of the show, there's more people now watching. Wow, 60 people. Uh, there's more people watching the show now than there were before. So uh, a quick talk, uh, just a quick summary. In the beginning of the show, I talked about an idea called one-dimensional text-based combat maps or markdown maps. And the idea here was to help players see the situation of a battle in a text-based way that we could paste directly into Discord. So the idea here is you have locations like Eastern Doorway, Northern Doorway, Southern Doorway. You have monsters uh, like Iron Mohawk Animated Armor, Brass Animated Armor. These were defined, these, these traits were defined by players. Uh, characters have uh, underscores. Uh, they're wrapped in underscores, which means in Markdown they'll be italicized. And um, any any blank space between an area means that it takes a move action to get there. If you had a firth- farther thing, let's let's say the northern and southern doorway were two moves apart, you could have two line breaks that show it's going to take you two moves to get there. So you can do separation of line breaks to show it. Um, and then when you paste this into Discord, uh, I know one of these is Discord. Come on. Oh, did I close it? I must have closed it. Um. Let's get Discord up and running, and let's go to my Wednesday game, Sunday D&D game, and we'll go to the Medium channel. So when you paste it in, that's what you see, right? You have the Eastern Doorway, which shows that there's an Iron Mohawk animated armor who's adjacent to Saber. There's Brass animated armor that's also adjacent to both Saber and Banner. Basically, all these guys are grouped together. They're all, they're all within about five feet of each other, and if you kind of move around in here, you're going to take opportunity attacks. Uh, there's one-eyed Knolls and a purple fur Knolls, and Shane is up there in the northern hallway. And then you have the southern doorway where three other characters are hanging out. It's Arwen, Zarentir, and Shift. So, you know, we have a visual for sort of how everybody is arranged and how everybody is grouped up in a battle. Uh, so I'm curious what folks um, – I would use a dash – so Draga here says, I would use a dash to mark move actions as it's easy to see – it's easier to see than spaces. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Let me take a look at that. So you're saying, like, I could use um, – I could put, like, a couple of dashes or whatever. I think that does a horizontal rule. So I might be able to separate it with a horizontal rule. Yeah, so that way you can see that there's a there's a there's a space between there and getting from one to the other. And if you wanted to say like, hey, that's far away, you might drop two of those in there. Like that. So like the southern hallway requires two move actions essentially. You're not gonna be able to move and attack, but two move actions gets you into that other area. So that would mean it's like on the order like 50, 60 feet away. And you could say as a monk. They could make it with one. So that's not that's not a bad idea. Um, uh, it sounds intriguing. I'd like to see it in a YouTube game. Uh, Evil John says, "I love the concept of range bands. Uh, does that th- does that give you that idea? The dash thing does that give a range band, or you see something else? Do you have another idea? I'm curious." Um, yeah, so I'm gonna try it. I, I think it's gonna take me time. Oh no, you like you like the you like the little dashes. So um, yeah, I like I like the dashes too. Uh, I think that's pretty good. I'm curious. I think I think if you do four, it's an HR, a horizontal rule. Let's see. Um, curious. No, it doesn't matter. So um, yeah, so you know, little dashes of three are kind of the range. You know, that kind of shows you who's near who. Um, and many times you only have one location, right? So you don't really have all these like three different places and stuff, stuff like that. So I think that can work. Um, I'm going to delete these. Anyway, I'm really excited to try that out today. I'm going to talk to my players about it ahead of time so they understand how it works. Um, man, I put a lot of these in here, didn't I? Um, 
and uh, we'll try it out. And you know, I'll 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 figure it out. So, uh, and if you guys are running any online games and you want to try it out, I'd love to hear if it works for you. All right, uh, so I am going to uh, that. That's it for today. I think I'm all set. I feel pretty good about today's today's adventure. Uh, I'm excited to run it, which is always great. This is uh, Good Morning Session Six. And uh, I will see all of you guys next week. We will. I th- uh, so I don't think I have a game next Saturday. At least I don't have one yet. So I don't know if I'll be doing. I probably won't be doing a Saturday uh, game prep, but I will certainly be here Sunday. So uh, I will see you all of you guys next week. So have a great week. Stay safe and uh, get out there. Don't get out there. Stay home, but play some D and D.